Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, is my co-host, the one, the only, Trevor Stone. <laughs> What's up, Hakun? What's up, man? Man, Trev, how's it going, buddy? I'm good, bro. How are you doing tonight? All right, hanging in there. And joining us also today is the godfather of Football Garbage Time. Scott King. Hey, Scott. How you doing? Hey, guys. Good. I'm doing doing well. Excited to uh, have the combine behind us and ready for the draft. Oh, yeah. I think we all are super ready for that. And, of course, there's so much stuff going on. March is so amazing because we got March Madness. We got the NBA playoffs coming up just around the corner. And we had the NFL Combine, and we have franchise tags, and we have the NFL Draft coming up in 50 days. So much stuff going on here. I, and, and with all that said... I have to say, one thing really stood out for me this weekend, and that was the movie Cocaine Bear. Have you guys seen the movie Cocaine oh, Bear yet? No, how was it? Well, I just no. have to say this. Um, it's basically truth in advertising, right? There was a bear, and he had a lot of cocaine. It's almost exactly what you would expect it to be, which I am there for. That is, like, what a brilliant idea. I know it's based loosely on real events, but did we really need new real events to, to inspire this? Someone should have done Cocaine Bear years ago. That's what I think. It was just like, it was fantastic. Uh, I just can't wait to the, uh, the inevitable follow-up, Marijuana Raccoon. I think that's going to be really fun, uh, but really chill, though. Much more chill than Cocaine Bear, at least. Anyway, I just got to get it off my chest, guys, because that is just like, it just totally blew me away. It was, at first, when I saw the commercial, I'm like, is this a joke? Then I'm like, thank God it's not a joke, <laughs> because I really want this. All right. We got lots to talk about today, including new contracts with Geno Smith, Derek Carr, and Daniel Jones. Franchise tags around the NFL, NFL Combine standouts, who the Commanders, Lions, and Bears should draft, and much, much more. So let's get rolling. I'll say this, by the way, guys, that um, after watching Cocaine Bear, I never want to have cocaine. I mean, that bear was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, he he was nuts. Anyway, so let's talk about those new contracts for Geno Smith, Derek Carr, and Daniel Jones. We'll start with Geno Smith here. He had a three-year contract worth $105 million at the Seattle Seahawks, $40 million fully guaranteed at signing. Basically, it has a base value of $25 million per season, and he reportedly earned $28 million in the first year and has $30 million in incentives. Guys, this contract is worth more than Geno Smith has made his entire career combined by a lot. And he really earned it this year, completing 69.8% of his passes for 4,282 yards, 30 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions and taking that 69.8% completion percentage to be the number one completion percentage. I didn't even realize this before I looked at it, but the number one highest-ranked completion percentage in all the NFL this season. He, uh, he basically it took the Seahawks to the playoffs. He earned his first career Pro Bowl bid. He won NFL Comeback Player of the Year. This was a banner year for Geno Smith. So I'm going to turn to you, Trev, and ask you first, what do you think about this contract with Geno Smith? Is it good for the Seahawks? Is it good for Geno Smith? Uh, it's definitely great for Geno Smith. Like you just said, it's a banner year for him. Career highs and everything. First Pro Bowl nod, made it to the playoffs, led the mm-hmm. league in this, led the league in that. So, yeah, after, you know, being at college, who we thought we were supposed to be, he wasn't. It took him a while to get to where he is now. But 
right. he made. So I think it's definitely good for him. And, yeah, it's good for the Seahawks. They kind of have stability at the quarterback position after dealing away their one stability at the quarterback position with Russell Wilson. So, right. I mean, that's great for both parties. Um, at first, I was like, dang, that's a lot of money. But, I mean, <laughs> he earned it. Like, like you said, it's a banner year for him. All those personal accomplishments and he, what he did for Seattle, too. When nobody yeah. thought that they were going to do that since Russell Wilson left. So, yeah, I think it's a great contract all the way around. It makes Seattle management look like absolute brilliant science. Right. I mean, they right. were absolutely brilliant now getting rid of the um, the albatross that is Russell Wilson. And don't get me wrong, I love Russell Wilson, but um, right. if we saw him do anything, is he he's not good without the right scheme and the right parts. And I guess you have to wonder if it was the Seahawks over Russell Wilson when he was there. All right, let's turn to you there for – a second, Scott, and ask you about Geno Smith. What do you think about this contract that he just managed to pull with the Seahawks? Yeah, I think it's a, a testament to him, right? I mean, his career's kind of wandered around. He, he came out and had had some pretty high expectations, but he stuck with it and took advantage of an opportunity and cashed in. I think, um, you know, Seattle was getting crushed for that trade. It looked like they were just giving up and that Denver was just going to walk into the playoffs. And it was really the exact opposite. And, oh, yeah. and now, not only have they locked up a relatively young quarterback, I mean, he's not Tom Brady, but he's not also, you know, rookie. But they have a draft hall that they got oh, from yeah. Denver. So, Absolutely. you know, shockingly, I think Seattle's put themselves in a position to have a, a nice little run here at a time that people thought they were going to, completely rebuild and and be irrelevant for the next five years. So I, I think right. it's a win all the way around for the Seahawks and happy for Geno Smith to um you know cash in on an opportunity. That's that's all you can ask for, right? Is a chance to prove yourself and he did it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This what this tells me guys is that in about eight years, Zach Wilson is gonna be a pro bowler. That's what's gonna yeah. happen because obviously <laughs> the Jets know how to get them seasoned so that they can be successful on their third team. So that's, we'll see what happens. And maybe with Sam Darnold will land on another team and, and get, make it a pro bowl as well. And we can see the whole range of jets outcomes here. All right, let's go to the next guy. Let's talk about Derek Carr four year contract worth $150 million with a hundred million guaranteed through 2024. I cannot even fathom what that feels like. hundred million dollars guaranteed. His contract also includes a no trade clause. Uh, Carr was benched this past year after having one of his best seasons in 2021, where he managed to pass for over 4,800 yards while completing over 68% of his passes and leading the Raiders to a playoffs for the first time since 2016. But last season, he had one of his worst years. He completed only 60.8% of his passes, his lowest mark since his rookie season, and he threw for 14 interceptions and just 15 starts, leaving the Las Vegas Raiders at 6-9, and nine, despite the addition of all pro wide receiver Devontae Adams. So he's going to be joining the New Orleans Saints now on this gigantic four-year contract. Scott, I'll start with you first. What do you think about Derek Carr and his four-year contract with the New Orleans Saints? Yeah, this one's interesting. Um, you know, he, he's had some talent. He had some success. I think there were some expectations, including for me, that getting tied up with Josh, Josh McDaniel there and and. Uh, Las Vegas, getting Devontae Adams, and uh, I mean, Josh Jacobs had an amazing year, that they were going to have success, and they just didn't. It's not all on him. Defense struggled, but mm-hmm. for him to get signed so quickly for so much money, some sort of a, a smaller show-me 
you know, contract, like a two-year deal with a lot of upside or, or something, is a little bit surprising. I don't really know what the Saints are, right? Kamara's still there. Right. You know, what what are they going to be? So I don't know that he's going into a more complete team. So this one is going to be really interesting to watch. I'm probably going to stay away from him and probably all the Saints in fantasy unless I, you know, Olave maybe, but um, – I'm surprised he got so many years and so much money so quickly yeah. after what happened in Oakland or yeah. Vegas. <laughs> old old habits hard Still die open. hard. I know I understand. What do you think, Trev? Here, what do I think? What do you think about Derek Carr and his four-year, hundred and fifty million dollar contract? Yeah, I, I, thought a little, I thought it was a little overpriced, giving like like Scott was saying, alluding to about, about his season last year in Vegas slash Oakland. But um, he threw for nearly 5,000 yards very quietly. I did not know mm-hmm. that until now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like yep. Scott said, too, I was expecting bigger things with Devontae Adams adding to that roster, you know, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, but he couldn't stay healthy. And then Josh Jacobs, he couldn't stay healthy either. So mm-hmm. he thought they'd still make it, but they didn't. But he's never really had a defense. So I think New Orleans provides him with that little bit of a, a better defensive side of things with the ball. Uh, he goes right. down there with Amara, Olave. I think it's a nice fit. Gets out of the conference totally to a brand new conference, to where it's pretty much a run first conference rather than aired out like the AFC is. So it's gonna be interesting to see how he can adjust. But I thought it was maybe just a little overpriced due to the fact how he finished his season in um, Vegas. But I mean, he has made some Pro Bowls and he threw for daggone near 5,000 yards. So yeah, they want, they want stability at the quarterback position rather than Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton. Then. There's your guy. So, and he reunites with Dennis Allen, who drafted him in Oakland. So, yes. I mean, maybe they can make it work. Yeah. No. I mean, this is this is a big. This is a, a really big deal for the New Orleans Saints. And interestingly, they'll be. I mean, they have not been doing well. I mean, ever since um, Drew Brees retired, the Saints have been on a little bit of a downward spiral, despite having all this talent on their roster. Alvin Kamara's best years are starting to slip away. Chris Lave obviously is ascending, but Michael Thomas has been an absolute disappointment due to injury. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there with the Saints. And don't forget that the Saints are flush with draft picks this year. They did manage to trade away the rights for their old coach, Sean Payton, to the Denver Broncos and managed to get a first-round draft pick. So, you know, eight draft picks this season. They have a, some potential here to build around Derek Carr. All right, let's get to the last guy that I want to talk about. And this one is a very interesting to me. So I'm really interested to get your takes on this. Daniel Jones. Oh. Four-year contract worth not to be outdone by Derek Carr's 150 million. His worth 160 million dollars, with 82 million dollars guaranteed at signing and 35 million available in incentives. Daniel Jones passed for just 3,205 yards last season, with 15 touchdowns and five interceptions, while rushing for 708 yards and seven rushing touchdowns. He did lead them to a uh, playoff appearance and a playoff win over the Minnesota Vikings in the first round. So Trev. I mean, this is in the uh, this is in the division here. Uh, what do you think about Daniel Jones getting the 160 million dollar four year contract with the New York Giants? I'm all about the man getting extension because I think everybody deserves one of those. But the the money involved with extension, I think, is way overpriced. I mean, yeah, he made the playoffs <laughs> last year, but it was also that defense that helped him too, and Saquon Barkley helped him out with that too. He threw for 15 total touchdowns last year. And he goes out and gets paid. Um, but it kind of makes sense because they were going through that. Do we tag him or do we tag Saquon? And I guess if it comes down to it, you would have to tag Saquon. Daniel Jones is the more durable player, in my opinion. 
Saquon right. is a leverage, don't get me wrong, but he spends a lot of time on the sideline. Yep. So, um, I mean, he had to get extension done, but the numbers are, like, overpriced. I mean, it's Daniel Jones. Yeah, they made the playoffs, but right. he threw for 15 touchdowns, bro. Like, <laughs> uh, it, it does seem a little excessive, and I have to think, as you said, that part of the reason why they did this, and they did this at 3.54 p.m. Eastern time, six minutes prior to the end of the franchise tag deadline, and they did this probably because of Saquon Barkley, because you yeah. tagged Saquon Barkley at $10 million as a running back, and um, you can try to, you can spend your time trying to work that out with him, or at least he'll play for the next year uh, for $10 million. Daniel Jones, on the other hand, locked in, and they don't have to worry about that anymore. Unfortunately, they only had one franchise tag to use, so that's what they did. So I have to believe that's part of it. Scott, what do you think here about Daniel Jones getting the four-year contract worth $160 million? Yeah, I think part of it is is some hopeful thinking on the Giants' side, right? I mean, there was, there was serious talk that he was going to, you know, basically – not do great this year and, and be a bust and get cut and released. And, you know, he showed up and, and was serviceable, but I think the Giants are are maybe being too optimistic on where they think he's headed. And, yeah. you know, maybe this year is his ceiling and they're going to end up with a bad contract. So, you know, I mean, I hopefully, you know, don't want, ever want to see anyone fail, but I think the Giants are just too optimistic trying to just grasp at something, yep. lock this guy up when, I mean, the draft pick was he was overdrafted, and you know maybe this year is his ceiling, and that's that's just not good, good enough. I, no, I don't think no. he's got a long way to develop. I think he's closer to a ceiling than than anything. Yeah, and that doesn't mean. Uh, and I'll tell you, this is exactly how I feel. That's how I feel about Daniel Jones' contract, right there. That is just flushing money down the toilet, New York Giants. I'm just saying, you could find a Daniel Jones in the draft without even without even blinking. I don't I don't think this was worth it at all. You can't. I mean, a guy who only passed 32. It, it was his best year in terms of passing yards, 3,200 yards. That is not a quarterback that you want. I mean, unless you're Jalen Hurts, <laughs> okay? You know, and even he exceeded that. You know, you're you're, you're not going to. You don't want that. That's just not going to be a good thing for you. All right, let's go ahead and uh, move on to our next topic of the day, and we're going to hit the boxing bell on this and talk about the franchise tag because the franchise tag deadline was yesterday, March 7th at 4 p.m. Eastern time, and we had a number of tags yesterday. So just to give everybody a little bit of background here, obviously there are three different tags you can give players who are coming off contract. You have a non-exclusive franchise tag. That is the most common type of tag. It's a one-year tender of the average of the top five salaries at the player's position over the last five years or 120% of his previous salary, whichever is greater. That tag player can negotiate with other teams, but his current team has the right to match any offer or receive two first-round draft picks as compensation if he signs with another club. There's also an exclusive franchise tag, which basically locks that player in. They puts the pay scale higher because it's the current average top five salaries from last year. But there had, nobody this year was uh, tagged under the exclusive franchise tag. Everybody was tagged under the non-exclusive franchise tag. And we had uh, a really interesting sequence of events, um, some big ones coming right at the wire. Obviously, we knew everybody knew about Josh Jacobs, the running back, uh, being uh, tagged by Las Vegas Raiders at $10.09 million. Tony Pollard tagged by the Dallas Cowboys at $10.09 million. Evan Engram being tagged, the tight end from Jacksonville Jaguars, for $11.345 million. That's amazing. Daron Payne was tagged a while ago, actually, uh, by the Washington Commanders for $18.937 million. 
And at the at the hour as the hour was coming, right at the last minute, Lamar Jackson tagged quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, thirty two point four one six million dollars, and Saquon Barkley tagged at ten point oh nine one million dollars. Okay, let me turn it over uh, to you first, Scott, and ask you of these franchise tag players, are are there any that you are uh, particularly think are going to go elsewhere? And which of these do you think are going to get long-term contracts? And, and are these good moves in terms of franchise tags? Yeah, I, I think I think they're good moves. The Ingram one, you know, he's not a very special player. So maybe the Jags were just trying to keep him in line without having to do anything based on what they're building. Um, you know, I think if you look at the running backs, you, you can bucket them all together. They're – uh, all quality backs that can put up yards, but the value of the running back is declining. So I don't think anyone really puts any long-term deals on these guys. I mean, it was pretty clear the Raiders wanted to move Jacobs last year. He played in the in the Hall of Fame game, I know. which was pretty absurd. Um, I think you know maybe Dallas moves off Zeke at some. I mean, he's he's basically like non-existent at this point. The Lamar one, non-exclusive. To me, I just think a team that's really looking to get a quarterback, why you wouldn't give up a couple of ones and a couple of twos to get someone who's, I think he's 26. I just, I think that's the one where he might get moved. And right. really, if you're the if you're the Ravens, you move him. Let's say you go up to. Um, to right, let's say he moved into Houston or something, you could get one of these young guys, and then now you've got another rookie for four or five years. You keep your numbers down. You can use money in other ways. From a business standpoint, it's not a terrible deal for the Ravens if they move off of him. I mean, the fans yeah, might sure. be upset, but if you swap out a Lamar for Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, um, you know, I, I mean, Anthony Richardson had a insane combines that may right. not be the worst thing in the world and you get to get them on the cheap for the next four or five years right right no that's really interesting and uh, it will be interesting that will be a saga we'll take a very close look at as time goes on because of course he is probably uh, next to the running backs uh, he's definitely the one that everyone has their eyes on as a potential move what do you think here trev about these franchise tag picks here good moves on behalf of their teams and do you see any of these guys signing extended agreements with their uh, current teams or moving on? Um, it's going to be tough. I think the Deron Payne, it was the first one that's done so early. Um, yeah. I think that one has a really good chance of, of him going somewhere else. But it's been kind of quiet ever since these tags have been placed on these players. I know it's still early in the game, but you haven't heard any rumors about any team looking for, you know, like to maybe try and match the offer and negotiate with these players and this and that. Like Tony Pollard's a good one too, but – he got hurt injured at the end of the season last year, so how durable can he be? Josh Jacobs, right. another one, ankles. So those tag numbers are kind of like where they need to be. I agree with Evan Ingram. Instead of having to kind of sit down and figure out, if we do sign him long-term, how much are we paying him? He did have a right. good year, but is it enough to, to for an extension at this point? So tagging him was a great idea. Lamar Jackson, they've been trying for two years. They couldn't come to agreement. So now they're just saying, well, who do you think is, is going to give you what you're worth? And who thinks you're worth this amount, and then we'll go from there. So rather than, you know, doing the other tag where you then have a chance to try and work out a deal, if they haven't done it in two years, you're not going to do it in 
a day or two. So all of yeah. them, I guess, were appropriate tags. Um, just surprised nobody has really reached out yet, but it's too early in the game. But I think the most suitable that will sign extension with the team will probably uh, be Deron Payne because we like him with yeah. Jonathan Allen. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with that assessment uh, 110%. And Deron Payne having a great season there, 64 total, sack, total tackles, 11.5 sacks, 20 QB hits, and a fumble recovery. Uh, Deron Payne, a good part of that growing defense in Washington. A um, little bit of uh, trivia for you guys. Um, okay. So in 30 years of NFL free agency, how many players that were tagged as a non-exclusive franchise tag actually signed of another team? How many do you think? I'll start with you, Scott. What do you think? Oh, after the tag, they moved? Yeah, so like um, in the non-exclusive franchise tag, how many players in the last 30 years of NFL free agency actually moved to another team? Two. Okay, and what, what do you think here, Trev? We'll say seven. Seven? So the answer is one, only one. <laughs> Sean Gilbert of the Washington Redskins in 1998 was fr- franchise tagged by the Redskins. He moved on, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> and signed up another team. So uh, there you go, a tri- trivia and trivia relevant uh, to Trev. He actually yeah, went on 11, to join the Panthers. I was 11 years old when that happened. I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> you, weren't, so. you weren't following the franchise tag nah. 11? Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> uh, so uh, that being said, let me just say this. Um, Lamar Jackson obviously underperformed last year. I think that will be a very interesting uh, one to look at. Uh, I understand the rest of them, and obviously Josh Jacobs had a breakout year. I mean, his numbers are ridiculous. 1,653 rush yards, 400 receiving yards, 12 total touchdowns. Josh Jacobs was a one-man wrecking crew. Uh, Tony Pollard is the one I don't 100% get because, quite frankly, he was great, but Mm -hmm. they still owe Zeke $13 million next year, $13 million. And you tag Tony Pollard for 10, I mean, I I just don't know what you do with that because how do you then put together – at minimum, you're paying $24 million for two running backs. I mean, uh, I don't know what you guys, what do you do with that? That's just yeah. going to be really, it's going to be really hard to handle in terms of cap space. Uh, so it's going to be really tough. I don't really get tagging Tony Pollard, even though he's great. And I also want to mention one thing. When the Dallas Cowboys tweeted out that they tagged Tony Pollard, did you, did you see that their franchise tag Twitter handle was, uh, was brought to you from blockchain.com? They actually had to get somebody, <laughs> they actually had somebody present their tag. I mean, Gosh darn it, the Dallas Cowboys, man. Those guys, man. Ugh, they just can't do something about making money. Makes me so angry. Okay, so <laughs> it is what it is. Let's move on from those tags here. Let's go ahead and hit the boxing bell on this one. And let's talk about the NFL Combine, which was this last weekend in Indianapolis. Top college football players around the country were invited to take part in a number of drills and interviews with all 32 NFL teams present including the 40-yard dash, vertical, and long jump, a number of agility drills, bench press, number of on-field drills. It was something to behold. And we told you who we were watching beforehand, but is that who we're watching now after the results? Scott, let me go to you first. What are your standouts from the NFL Combine? You know, mine's going to be a little bit different. Um, I think for me what Andrew Voorhees, the the lineman from USC, did after he tears tears his ACL oh, yes. in, that was amazing. in drills. I mean, one, you know, you're devastated, right? You've, you've been training towards this basically your whole life of, of sports. And he didn't pack it up and go home. He went out and threw up 38 reps at 225, mm-hmm. which 
like freshly torn ACL. So, yep. I mean, I know he's not going to see the field this year. Um, you know, you're going to have to draft him and kind of put him in the court, you know, on the shelf. But the guy is six six. Um, you know, he he was the top five lineman on the board, and for him to do that, somebody, you know, like a Dan Campbell is going to take this guy in the fourth fifth round and just shelve him for a year because, I mean, that, that was impressive. And yeah. that really stood out to me. I totally agree with that. It, kudos to him. What a fantastic, I mean, what, that is, that is really just fighting through it, you know, and, and making a, you know, he's there, he's already trained it up. It is ought to be devastating with the uh, torn ACL there and out for the season. Um, Trev, who do you have your eyes on? Who's your standout? Uh, who's your standouts from the NFL combine? Well, I didn't really get a chance to look at, most much of it, I was really busy this past weekend. But uh, just from looking at how too busy and, for the combine. Yeah. Oh my god! Is this this is like double blasphemy. First, you don't follow a franchise tag when you're 11 years old, and now you don't even spend the weekend glued yeah. to your combine. <laughs> you no, know, I know. I'm just I'm slacking over here as a fan. Yeah, all right, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, but apparently, Anthony Richardson had a, a balling. A oh, balling he did. Combine. He did. kind of put on a little bit of a show too, as well. I'm not sure if the commanders are going to draft the quarterback at 16, but you never know because we are the Washington commanders. So, <laughs> um, But also I did notice that the uh, wide receiver from Ohio State, I can't pronounce his name right now, but uh, it's kind of amazing yes. to see him only you know, Jackson after Smith missing. Smith Yeah, yeah. Um, some, help, some help, Scott? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's in Jigba. Yeah, okay. in Jigba. Okay, yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, after missing Silent, Silent J. <laughs> okay, got it. Silent J, the yeah, ever famous Silent, Silent J. Yeah. <laughs> so after missing pretty much the whole season at Ohio State, and then to come back and perform and do drills, and pretty much was like the the most gifted or naturally catching receiver in the draft. Um, that's coming up. It's pretty surprising because you know I think it was like a hamstring or some kind of lower leg industry in, injury that caused him to miss all that time at Ohio State. So just to see him back out there and able to do the combine and then and being like the most well-rounded receiver out of the group. Cause it's not going to be a, a strong wide receiver draft this year. You don't hear right. too many, maybe three or four that are stand out. The guy from TCU and now this guy, Ohio State. So I'm, I'm yeah. with the combine. Yeah, no, I, I love those. And I, and I will go ahead and say something that we haven't really talked about, but because, you know, we're always kind of thinking about skill positions, but in, in on Thursday, when a defensive lineman were out there, Ten mm-hmm. defensive linemen this year ran a forty-yard dash under four-five. That's ten, wild. which is more yeah. than double that we've seen in the history of the NFL Combine. So we have some speed, my friends, in that defensive line this season. So I think there's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how that's uh, utilized. That's something I definitely noted, and I said, "Wow, that on defense there's going to be some there's going to be some smash mouth football this year <laughs> when these guys get into the league. Uh, it's going to be fantastic." Um, so there's that. And I, I will also mention that uh, Anthony Richardson, who you mentioned there, uh, Trev, I, you know, he really blasted it out there. 40.5 inch vertical, 10 foot nine broad jump. There are combined records for quarterback. He had a 4-4-3, 40-yard dash, the fourth fastest time amongst combine running uh, quarterbacks since 2003. The guy is an athletic freak. The problem mm-hmm. is he only completed about 50% of his passes in college. So, uh, you know, Maybe he can become Josh Allen because Josh Allen was that guy in college, but maybe not. You know, I mean, uh, being athletic doesn't necessarily translate into being a good quarterback. 
exactly. um, so keep keep a close eye on that one. And I know that uh, you know tight ends are kind of this, it's a big tight end class this year. Darnell Washington really stood out though. I mean, he had yeah. great measurables and he had a blazing fast four six four. I mean, he looked good. And he and on his unfield drills, he had some amazing catches on the field. Uh, Darnell Washington looking great. And I'll mention just one more guy, Jalen Redmond, uh, defensive lineman out of Oklahoma. You know, like his measurables weren't like huge or anything like that, but his agility scores were like off the charts. 7.3 seconds in the three cone, 4.51 seconds in the short shuttle. Both best overall marks for players projected to play on the inside among defensive linemen from this year's class. Uh, And he did that weighing more than basically – most of the plus rushers in the in the combine. He weighs 291 pounds, my friends. He ran a 45140 at 291 pounds. This man can move, and when he starts moving, you don't want to get in his way. So <laughs> there you go, Jalen Redmond, another guy who I think was a massive standout. All right, guys, roll real quick. We're going to get down to the end here uh, and talk about the people that we think our team should draft. So Trev, you first. Commanders, who do you think the commanders should take in the earliest parts of the draft? Uh, offensive linemen. I've been reading that we have been having a lot of formal meetings with a lot of offensive linemen. At least this is the most I can think of in the past few combine years. The most recent, mm-hmm. you know, we talked to that cornerback from Oregon that I talked about. I liked a lot, but yes, a lot of offensive linemen. And if we got Sam Howe trying to be our QB one, we got to protect them. So go get a nice stud offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah, and Christian Gonzalez, the guy from Oregon. He is yes. a beast in the combine. Another fantastic. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna go high. He's gonna go early and high because he's he looked great. All right, Scott. Who do you think the Detroit Lions should be targeting in the early parts of the draft? Yeah, so we, we've got two picks this year, which I'm very happy about. Um, so early on, I, I was I was hoping or I was thinking it was gonna be Witherspoon out of Illinois, the corner, but yeah. he came in a little small, under six foot, 180 pounds. That's a little light. You actually stole my pick. Um, <laughs> I've moved it to uh, uh, Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, yeah. 6'1", 197. And Detroit and Campbell like the corners to support in the run game. So I think that's yep. probably going to be the pick there. Mm-hmm. And then tight end is going to be their second pick. And yep. I think I really like Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. I yeah, think he was, yeah. Um, you know, he just really impressed me in that in that USC championship game. You know, obviously, uh, Meyer out of Notre Dame, they just – all they do is produce tight ends. So, can't yeah, go tight end there, but I think they're going corner, corner, tight end. Unless one of the quarterbacks are sitting at six, then they trade out. Right. That's a, that's a, that's a fantastic uh, roadmap for them to follow and a team that's ascending really quickly right now. So, those Detroit Lions. My Bears, however, are cellar dwellers. And I think in the first round they should go after a wide receiver. And you already know that I have a massive man crush on Quentin Johnston, six foot three, two hundred eight pounds. Man, his measurables are off the charts. Arm span thirty three point six three. He had a forty point five inch vertical jump, tied for second best in the class this weekend. And he has an eleven foot two uh, two inch broad jump. I mean, the guy is a monster. And it, you know, the ball comes in near him, he's going to swallow that thing up. You're just going to swallow that thing up. And I, I love that. And, of course, Jackson Smith. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I just is not meant to be offensive. I suck at last names, okay? From Ohio State, I wish he would come to be the bear anyway because he did amazing. He had a three cone of 6.57, a vert of 35, broad jump 10.5. He looked great on agility drills. Uh, he's amazing. And we already talked about him, so I think he could be Justin Fields' guy. 
right off the bat. So that being said, we are at the end of the show. Let's hit the air horn on the show. And Trev, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? I'm on Twitter at TrevHTTC, Instagram, Trev underscore stores. Right here, Football Garbage Time with Pacino and sometimes Scott King, the man himself. (laughs) Also, uh, I'm on Rest of the District, that's my main one with Nathan the Stoner. And I do a little bit of stuff with George Carmen, full press commanders over there too, so. Yes, and as I always say, they can never get enough Trev, so go check it out. He makes everybody around him better, just like Michael Jordan. So go check it out. Uh, and he's not, but he's not mean like Michael Jordan, so that's great. Scott, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? Yeah, hit me up on uh, NFL Fantasy underscore more. Um, got draft stuff. Uh, I've got NASCAR going on now. Yeah. And, uh, just kind of anything out there. Just to close loop on Trev's Sean Gilbert conversation, I, I was busy about two months from graduating college when that happened. So <laughs> thanks for making me feel old tonight. Appreciate it. Don't, don't, don't give it away, Scott. Don't give it away. All right. Well, <laughs> there it is. And, and, I, and, I'll, and of course, as I always say, uh, people should definitely give Scott um, a follow. He does not pull punches, guys. He does not pull punches, so be ready. Get ready. Get your dukes up, all right, if you're going to follow him. But it's a great follow. It's a fun follow. You can find me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time and on Facebook at the Football Garbage Time page. And as usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. Until next time, enjoy your NFL week.